Time, weather, and... This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. <laughs> Welcome to a special edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. I don't think we can even call this one an episode, even though it's going to be basically it's a full, news. full episode. Breaking, breaking news, news. Ladies and gentlemen. We got kind of lucky uh, this week. You haven't said who we are. Oh, yeah. I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And, uh, and we, we, we host this podcast thing, and we've been trying to get you guys uh, interviews and stuff with bands that... Are breaking stuff that's going on yeah. right now. We talked to the White Wizard dudes when all that drama was going on with the band. Even for people who could care less about White Wizard, we we're interested in at least the it, the, drama, the drama. What was going it, yeah. on? Well, hopefully, people care a little bit about what's uh, about Deicide. Absolutely, I know I care about Deicide. Absolutely, uh, I, and uh, the last three dates of their tour, the short little tour before the album even comes out, was routing through Texas, and we are in Austin. The last date of which was right here in Austin, Texas. And if you haven't read about the drama, I'm not even talking about the throat slitting drama part of this yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, you thought that only three people got cut in El Paso. Uh, it turned now, out it was like 12. Now, yeah, now it's an entire band. It's like, oh, dude. Benton cut eight of them. Man, we had a chance to sit down with Glenn Benton and talk some of this stuff out because we saw the Broken Hope post. Metal Sucks posted what they had put on their Facebook page, which was pretty scathing going up against Glenn Benton talking that he's an asshole, basically. Yeah. You know, saying he's a prima donna, blah, 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 minivanner, you know, had a lot of things that they had to say about it. We've read it. We've seen what they, what they had to say. So what we wanted to do. Yeah. And if you, I'm sorry, let me just say, if you haven't read it, Metal Sucks has got it. Look at it on Metal Sucks. I'm sure. Net. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to, I bet they'll post it as part yeah. of this, yeah. as part of this post or whatever, but you know, reading both sides of it, we wanted to get the other side of the story. Yeah. So what do you do? you go to the man himself and actually ask and find out what the hell's going on. So we had a chance to talk to Glenn Benton, yeah, which is pretty kick-ass. And we talk about the, we talk about the issues with broken hope. We talk yes. about that stuff. We start with that. We start with that because that's, you know, the but monster. Don't stop listening. No. Cause uh, we actually, t- you took over the interview because you're such a fanboy. Yeah. It's all right. I did the whole interview humping Glenn's leg. I, don't I, know I if took you the back seat because, because you were just going crazy. I was I I was on maybe it's his you know satanic spell or whatnot but I was charmed by the guy I've spent twenty years he was rubbing he was rubbing that upside down cross on his forehead the whole time and I think he was like <laughs> I was licking my lips God this <laughs> but yes. yeah I mean you spent twenty years like scared of that guy well I think and. You know, listen to the interview and check it out and see what you think for yourself. Because I talked to a lot of people last night because there are a lot of people in town for the House School Horror Film Fest this weekend. And for D-Side. a lot of people that wanted to see Broken Hope. A lot of yeah. friends of mine that I have, you know, legit death metal people that really wanted to see that band. And they're, they're on that side of the camp. And what I find interesting about this is, is the rest of the context of the interview that may not be about uh, Broken Hope kind of frames up the dude a little bit more and gives you a little perspective into Glenn and who he is as a person versus just this argument that's going on. And it made it much harder to believe the broken hope side of the story for me anyway, because, yeah. but I haven't talked to those guys directly either. We, so. we haven't. And you know, the, uh, you know, I, I've been tweeting with them. You can find me at godless speaks and you at bearded ape and at no control radio, but I but was tweeting and, and broken hope, you know, they may want to respond to this. And, and yeah, my feeling knows? on it is I'm all ears, 
but I want to hear something new. It can't be a, new, a rehash. I mean, everybody's heard their side of the story on Facebook. This is sort of like, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, now that I've heard Glenn's side of the story, it's like, okay, we got both sides. Everybody can take all this information, make up their own mind. Exactly. And that's it. Exactly. You know? That's kind of where I'm at, too. If and there's something more, let me know. I'll listen. So let's proceed with our interview with Glenn Benton on the Metal Sucks podcast. start with the elephant in the room and talk about what happened and did you even want them on this tour um it was supposed to be initially supposed to be vader opening and be our direct support and um i believe that it was their management they had already committed themselves to a tour with vital remains so uh that was the initial plan so um i was getting i was getting calls from uh um I, I was getting calls uh, from uh, Sean Glass complaining and, uh, you know, going off about how he didn't feel that they should be opening for Vader, that they felt that they were bigger than Vader. And and I said, well, you know, Peter didn't take a 10-year break, you know, day off, you know what I mean? So uh, there's, you know, I just didn't, you know. So that was the first inclination that I was going to be having issues here. So, um, you know, the, the constant phone calls from him and the, you know, you know it's ridiculous. Did you guys have a really- uh, We did a tour back in like 92, I believe it was, and they got my bus confiscated at the Canadian border for smuggling uh, merchandise. So they tried to blame it on Steve because Steve got popped for a, a weed pipe. It was in his jacket that he had lost and forgot about and that. But it was basically uh, the the thousands of dollars in merchandise that they had shoved in their personal luggage and shit that the Canadian Customs, you know, seized my bus. So I made them pay the fine to get my bus back. So so 20 years is how long it takes to get back in Glenn Benton's good rate graces. Oh, man, you know what? I was trying to do a friend a favor. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, that they, you know, they've been, you know, out of the picture for so long and that. And I, and it was brought to me. I, I basically did this, to agreed to do this tour with Rock the Nation because, you know, we want to, you know, start, you know, uh, shining a different light on the band and, you know, as far as business, you know, dealings and that and getting away from some of these shady characters that we've done business with before. Uh, we're with Rock the Nation at the time. I believe that uh, their management, let you know, they were managing them uh, bef- prior to this and whatever. And I, from what I was told is that they they backed out of managing them too because of the same issues they were having with them. So that was you know. it's bizarre because I don't know Broken Hope was back. I just remember from way back when, and this is like the first I'd heard. It's interesting. Uh, it's basically uh, you know Jeremy Wagner's uh, woman funding the whole thing. I guess she's got money and shit, and so they're basically you know buying a rock and roll camp experience. You know what I mean? That's the way we all look at it, and. Uh, you know, they're, you know, it was basically paid and funded, you know, by that, her, you know, because what they're making out here opening wasn't, you know, enough to even pay for the bus for their, you know, the gas for their bus. So it was, you know, one of those kind of things where they're just like trying to buy themselves into, the, you know, buy themselves back into the grace of the, you know, into the fans, you know. So you say you kind of had some issues, or you knew there was going to be some kind of stuff um, going well, on. Kevin from the said he thought Kevin, our guitar player, thought it would end it would have ended sooner. You know what I mean? Because yeah. of you know all the shit he's heard about Glass and, and all of his you know, his you know 
stuff, you know, and that. So, I mean, the guy has got a reputation for getting himself thrown out of things, you know, from, you know, home to tours and, you know, whatever else, you know, relationships, whatever. So, I mean, he, you know, obviously has a reputation for these kind of things. And, you know, I, and, you know, I, I don't hate the guys, you know what I mean? But, you know what, they just, you you step on people's toes, man. Not just my own, but everybody on his tours, toes were stepped on majorly. And it just got to the point where, you know, you showed enough disrespect and disregard for everybody that, you know, it's, it, you know, I lost my temper. I, I apologized for losing my temper. I don't apologize for the principle of losing my temper, you know. So what had they been doing? Oh, just uh, the arrogant rock star attitude shit, man. You know what I mean? It's from the... Uh, you know, uh, showing up, taking the headliners' parking spots to the to the uh, not giving the bands, you know, their catering money to, you know, uh, just trying to swallow up the whole thing. Like we're the headline, you know, like you know, like trying to like portray themselves as like bigger than what they are, you know, by showing up in a big boss and all that stuff while we're all in vans and trailers and stuff like that, and just trying to like uh, portray themselves uh, and. I don't know, man. It's like I, I kind of felt like I was living in the shadow of broken hope. You know what I mean? Where it's like, dude, you guys are fucking opening for us. What the, you know? I mean, they felt like we should be opening for them. You know? I mean, it was ridiculous. And then the things they're saying, like they they crushed us every night. Hey, you fucking kidding me? That's that's the only thing that upset Steve the most is because that's the furthest from the truth. You know? And I think Discourse was you know should have been our direct support on the store. So they were saying that they had like the, a backdrop and fog machine. Well, listen, man, that, here's the thing. They knew before stuff, the tour, yeah. I, I don't do fog machines. Reason why is that I believe, you know, they, there should be more testing on that, that chemical smoke and that. Um, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Okay. I clean my life up and that. And when I go, I, I, this whole tour, man, I haven't lost my voice once. I haven't even gotten, you know, even the raspiest or nothing because I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do nothing. And that smoke machines, you know, they irritate my, you know, respiratory system. So I made the request before the tour even started. You know, I only have, I, I told them, I only have one request. No smoke machines. And first couple shows, they got their, their tour manager, you know, token, you know, tour manager uh, light guy blasting smoke, like totally disregarding my request. I had to go and knock on his door about that one. Um, when I went to go, you know, when it comes to like getting to the club, I TM for DSI. Um, I go and, you know, I do my business first. And before I could go and do my business, this guy's in there, you know, putting his hands on my money. And my mistake, the only mistake I made was letting this, entrusting this individual to make the payouts to the other bands. You know, I would take my cut of, you know, the catering money and that and would leave the rest behind hoping that this guy would handle, you know, everybody. And what he was doing is basically because they had such a, a massive, you know, crew and everything else that they were all paying for out of pocket that they just felt entitled to it. You know what I mean? You just don't show up after a 10-year day off and, 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 and walk into, you know, this whole entitlement thing. Like, you know, you just, you know, we, listen, man, these, these other bands have, I mean, worked, have been in business just as long as, you know, we all have been, you know, and they deserve just as much, you know, consideration as, you know. So were you doing all the interfacing with them? Oh well, I was. You know, I'd have to call. Him, I'd have to call. Uh, you know, Steph at Rock the Nation, and, and and give him an earful and tell him, you know, hey, you can, you know, you need to straighten these people out on that. You know, and I was like, I'm walking in to go do my business, and here they, their guys are in there, you know, trying to, you know, undermine me, and you're just stepping on toes, man. You know what I mean? There's protocol here, and we have a code out here, you know, touring and that, and it's it's there's no I in team, 
okay? And this is the team effort. When we all come out here, it's a team thing, man. So if my amp takes a shit, you know, or your amp, we all, we, we all look out for each other. And it wasn't like that. It was, you know, we're out here for ourselves to make ourselves look, you know, as big as we possibly can. You know, I mean, they even had the balls that, to ask us to, you know, strike our kit so they could set their shit up on the riser and that. It's like they, 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 they violated all the protocols of an opening band, okay? And when you do that, you're eventually going to step on somebody's toes. And they step, they, I mean, you can, I mean, friends or no friends, dude, you're going to step on, keep stepping on my toes. You, you can only step on somebody's toes so many times before they have to say something. And I, I didn't, I, I kept trying to be as, as cordial about it as, and as, as easygoing about it as I possibly can because I am, man. And listen, I believe in, you know, the giving people ample opportunity to, to you know, you know, validate themselves and to make good on things. And just like they could be here tonight, all they had to do is just do a slight retraction to their ridiculous postings and, and you know, I mean, listen, man, two, three days ago, they're hugging all over me, telling me how great the tour was and everything else. And, you know, and then because we had a little bit of a spat there, you know, because of Sean Glass and their, their tour manager, they, you know, this it blew it all in, into this. And even Steve went on their bus and told him, hey, listen, man, don't, they're like, well, we're going to have to post something. You, you, no, you didn't. And when you did that, you made yourself look ridiculous, and you made the whole tour look ridiculous. And, and they get some attention out of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you know what? Like they were like trying to claim that you know, like like that person getting slashed the other night in El Paso is like something to be proud of. Like they're like trying to like to attach that set. Like they're like like using that to like you know gain you know notoriety. It's like, are you are you kidding me, man? There's there's three families, man, that have been affected by that. You know what I mean? And when the lawsuits start coming down and that, maybe you guys are going to be, you know, re rethinking that whole, let's like try to claim fame to the, the, this, the slashing. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's what I, when I first read that headline about that show. It said, audience member throat slashed at Broken Hope show. Right. Uh, like, wait a minute that's not a uh, exactly it's like it's like this wasn't broken hope's tour yeah. and it's like their postings would be like another head another sold out show for broken hope it's like no man it's not that way i mean we played the whiskey we sold it out listen we sell out the key club every time we play la okay so to sell out the, that's half you know the whiskey's half half that i mean there's dsi fans pissed off turned away at the doors of the whiskey man they weren't there to see broken hope okay and last night we did the show without them, and, I, and I, not one person asked where they were at. I mean, is it what, one half the crowd last night? No, it was a packed capacity crowd last <laughs> yeah, night exactly. on a Wednesday night, you know? So, I mean, life goes on, business goes on, and I'm not, I don't want to sling mud, man. I'm not here to do that. I really don't. You guys, they asked me to, to explain what was going on out yeah. here, and, I, and I'm here to explain it, you know what I mean? I don't, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not like them out there calling name-calling name and, you know, all that kind of shit, man. It's ridiculous, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing is that if he, it's that fine line between silence and making a statement about something. That, I really just, you know, I would have preferred to just not even, you know, say anything about it, you know. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like, like in, in a way, it's like you guys could tour and it's Deicide opening up for Deicide. And I don't know how many more people you're going to get by having any bands open it up for you unless it's somebody well, I, that's huge. But it's like you're doing all these bands kind of a favor you know get a chance to get in front of your audience i mean honestly right we made some great friends on this tour the guys in necronomicon and, and discourse 
they are some of the greatest guys, man, that we've ever toured with. And that helpful, you know, like I say, man, this is a, a group effort. There's no right. I and team, man. And, you know, the whole thing with glass and the whole amp bullshit, all that kind of crap, okay? Well, let's go back to the backdrop thing. The whole backdrop thing was, it's like you bring a, you bring a backdrop that's big enough to tent a house for termites, okay? <laughs> and we're playing little small clubs and that. Nobody said you couldn't use your backdrop. It's bro-ho. <laughs> okay, listen, we played New York City. We didn't have a certificate, the fire certificate for ours, which we've never had. You know what I mean? We've played there. We always never use a backdrop in, at the, that gig in New York. And their roadie, uh, the kid that they had roadie with them for that first week, Jeremy or Jeremiah or whatever his name was, um, he came to me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, about the backdrop thing. And I said, man, I said, uh, um, I said we're not using the backdrop tonight. And uh, I said, you guys are more welcome to do whatever you want. And he goes, well, we'll we won't use one anyway. He's like, man, please don't. He's like, like, please, man, I don't want to have to do it. He didn't want to have to deal with it that night. That was the only night that that ever even came up. So I didn't have nothing to do. I could give two shits, man. Put your backdrop up. Hey, what do I care? It's coming down before I go up anyway. So what do I care? As long as it doesn't slow down. Okay. Tear down. So these were like stupid, like little things that were like trying to embellish in that, and they're a little right up there in that. And uh along with the smoke machine now the whole equipment thing came about it was like before the even tour started sean glass is calling me up saying hey man you guys can use our cabs la 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 we'll we'll you know it's no problem you guys just bring your heads so we brought you know me and kevin brought our heads me and kevin were sharing you know jeremy and because it's jeremy's you know back line it's wagner's back line not even glasses okay it's all you know wagner's and jack had you know picked up some cabinets from his people at blackheart so you know i was for some reason, my head, I don't know, image problem or whatever, was not wanting to cooperate with the cabinet, okay? So we were having some issues, technical issues with my head, which I thought the head was messed up, which it wasn't. It was just that the cabinet and the head weren't compatible. So there was a couple nights where I had to use Sean's base rig. And it was, you know, they offered to use stuff, but under conditions, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not allowed to adjust the amp head. It's like, listen, man, I've been doing this 30 years, man. I can go up there. You can tear my, you can change all, you can turn every knob on my thing. I can go up there within 30 seconds, have it all back to where, how I use it. Okay. And we, you know, we, we came up with like suggestions, you know, well, maybe you should just take a screenshot, you know, take a picture of your settings and that. So you can have your roadies, you know, dial it in real quick every night. And I'm in Lake Tahoe and uh, I only used the app a couple times. Okay. Because. By the time we got to Tahoe, I figured it out that that was, you know, the cabinet was the issue. So I started using the Necronomicon guy's cab. Haven't had a problem with it since, okay? And he's up on the stage. He doesn't even notice that I'm standing behind him. And he's up on the stage basically talking shit about me. You know, about turning his knobs and, you know, oh, he don't want me changing his settings. And blah, 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 up there, I'm like, hello, you fucking retard. I'm standing right behind you, okay? And that, that, that was insulting, Okay. It's like, you know what, this you know what, if it was me and like I told him in a text message yesterday, listen man, if you broke a string or your amp went out and that, dude, I'd be the first one to throw my shit up on that stage for you. Use it as much as you need it and as long as you need it. You know, no conditions. You know? You wanna change my settings? I don't give a shit, man. You know what I mean? But he's that you know, he was implicating or implementing that whole rock star arrogant bullshit that got his ass thrown out of soil. Okay, that 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 all the other original members of you know Broken Hope quit by, you know what I mean? So he started you know laying that shit on me, and then having his token tour manager guy come out here and start laying the rules to us and shit. Okay, so 
it all went. And then the the night in in uh, El Paso, um, we 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 were requesting that they keep the you know the Ampeg head up there just in case my head was you know having issues and we needed you know you know to swap out just as a you know backup you know whatever. And he uh, told his roadie immediately upon him ending to remove his equipment from the stage and take it out to the bus, so we couldn't you know have it at our disposal and then when we were asked my when i sent kevin out to ask about it and that they sent their token tour manager out there to uh tell us that you know he didn't want us using his stuff anymore and nah, 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 nah. and at that point i became highly disre- felt disrespected and you know insulted and that's why i said you know what take the head shove it up his ass and take and get in your fucking bus and get the fuck out of here you're off the tour okay so i mean you can only kick me in the fucking ball so many times before i've had enough and that's where it was. That's the truth. That's the whole story. There's nothing really more to it, you know. And at that point, you know, um, then that, you know, that, you know, before they left, Steve went over there. It was like, and they were all mad, whatever. And that, and Steve was like, hey, you know, just let it go, calm down, whatever. And that, oh well, we gotta post something on Facebook. Steve, like, you know what? I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Just let it go. Everything will be fine. You know, let, let it calm down and shit. You know. And they went ahead and they posted that shit on Facebook. And then their 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 fucking their singer douchebag fucking gets up there fucking call him. You know, calling me out and that's like, dude, I will stomp your fucking eyes out of your fucking skull for you. Okay. So you want to threaten me? I say, you know, like I told them, anytime, any place. Okay. You know, you want to go fucking school. You know, you know, uh, you know, after school, I will go after school with it. You know what I mean? It, it sounds like you were, you were, you would even surprised at the stuff that he was posting about. I mean, that must have been like surprising. You're like, well, dude, that was I like, you know what? It's like I, I, it was like it was just childish. It was childish, and they made themselves look ridiculous because two days before that at the whiskey show, you're hugging me and taking pictures out in front of the show. And, you know, I had my, my friend Steve, you know, from uh, Jackass, Steve Glover was there, and we were all hanging out, and I introduced them all to Steve, and they were all taking pictures with my, my, my friend who was there to see me and introduce us on stage. But they make it look like he was there to see them. You know what I mean? It was like that's how they played this. They put their spin on all this shit. It's like that they, this was their tour. Yeah, you know, and it just got insulting after a while. Not just to myself, but to all the other bands too, man. Yeah, it's you know, you you had mentioned before we started that you would talk to Chris Barnes, and right. he just recently had problems with an opening band. I mean, right. it's like what's going right. on with these yeah, bands? I mean, me and Chris had some laughs over this. I mean, me and Chris have known each other since we were kids, man. So me and Chris had some laughs over this and that. He's like, dude, they they still got pictures of me, you know, being force fed tofu and shit. You know what I mean? I mean, so <laughs> you know, so me and Barnes was like, dude, you can't, you know, you can't really take it. You know, take it with a grain of and I do and I really don't and I don't mean any hard feelings by it you know but you know what there's protocols you know what I mean if I was opening for Slayer or Metallic or anything like that and you don't try to overstep your you know your 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 shit man and they did and it's like and they were doing it like with their noses up at us and shit and it's like come on man we're trying to help you guys out and you're disrespecting us you're disrespecting the openers. They're on the side of the stage making faces at them while they're playing. And, you know, and, and the shit talking glass is shit talking. The con- always. Does it come he from He shit him? talks about it. Dude, he's the problem. He's okay? the problem. That's why I call it broken glass. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, it is right. because it's, it's, you know what? It's broke. And it's because of him, man. Yeah. Okay. He's, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, I can understand the other guys are upset and they're mad or whatever and that, but don't be mad at me, man. Be mad at the, the individual who, who brings this shit upon them. Yeah. And that's him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, his, his track record speaks for itself. Yeah. Okay. Totally. I'm still doing this shit after, you know, all these years and that. I don't, you know, miss a beat. You know what I mean? And everybody, you know, 
always walk away with a good you know experience yeah i'm not here you ever had to do i'm not here before? to be a rock star man yeah i ride in a minivan and they call me the minivanners <laughs> make their little jokes that's great you know what man i'm going home with bank yeah okay this is how i make a living i'm not out here to be a rock star and have a bunch of chicks on my tour bus and try to look cool okay i'm here to make a living to go home and take care of my children and my responsibilities okay not to be out here playing a rock star role, having chicks, you know, on my arm and, and going to titty bars and all the shit that they're trying to, you know, portray themselves at, you know, I mean, and that's what I see, you know, I mean, I seen them, you know, and I, you know, I don't know what their personal lives are about, but you know what, you're, 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 you're out to titty bars and you're titty bar hopping and you're, you know, you got all your little, you know, your groupies all hanging on your bus and that, I mean, I'm not here for that, man. That's it's not surprising. me. I would have expected this from like a band that has just formed. You see this kind of bullshit with uh, with like scene bands and right. you know different genres of, uh, Emo. of bands, but de- death metal, dude. That seems right. really well. This th- isn't like I most- say. Me and Steve were talking earlier. This isn't fantasy rock camp. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I mean, this is you know real guys, you know, doing real shit, you know, and 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 paying, you know, who have you know eaten the shit sandwiches, man. We we haven't, you know, we don't have you know our rich, you know, old ladies, you know, you know, funding our our, our fantasy rock camp shit, man. I gotta tell you, Glenn, though, Glenn Benton's fantasy rock camp does have a, <laughs> that would, a bit of a <laughs> ring to it. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that'd be yeah, yeah. it's just you know, bring your bring your own propane torch. <laughs> For somebody who's been a fan of yours for 20-odd years and you being, like, one of the scariest individuals from, you know, listening to the music and everything, you come off out of this sounding like a nice guy to me. Listen, man, like I tell everybody, these kids are all like, you know, I'm going to go home tomorrow and I'm going to throw on my old jeans and my hat and I'm going to go out and mow my grass. (laughs) Okay, and straighten yeah. up my property, wash my car, go grocery shopping. Okay, I'm just I'm from the same planet as everybody else is, man, and I don't live this. That's a lie. I don't live this. <laughs> that is such a lie, shit, man. I really don't. I there's one thing I've grown to hate in my life, and that's that rock star mentality, holier than thou shit, man. You know. I just can't stand it, man. And I can't stand people like that and that whole plastic shit. That's why I can't, you know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, Hollywood and all that, that, you know, that the, uh, the actors turn musicians and that. It's like, you know, your your Corey Feldman's and his fucking chaps and his, you know. Those are great videos, though. That is hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God they tried. (laughs) Like you're saying, it seems like a young thing. Like when you're you're first starting out as a band, you kind of, you got to learn those chops as you're going. And that seems like a lesson that those guys would have learned by now. Listen, man, you know what? You pay your dues in this business. You don't buy your way into it, man. You know what I mean? And you can't buy respect. You know what I mean? And there's, you want the respect of the, the, the tour package, man. You got to, you know, show that respect to everybody. You don't just walk around with this arrogance, you know, about yourself and that, like you're, you know, the, the headliner or you're above anybody. This isn't a competition, man. This really isn't. Yeah. I mean, if you told me tonight, hey, Glenn, you can open the show, I'm going to open the show. And when I get done, I'm going to haul the fuck ass out of here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to get back to Florida first. <laughs> Cannonball run. <laughs> now, do you, do you think they think that the economics of music are the same as they were when they came around the first time? Or were the economics ever that way? Not for them, no. Oh, definitely No, I mean, not. listen, man. I mean, I, I, you know, in all honesty, I mean, 
after they put their post up there, I got four messages from the four Broken Hope fans that are out there at my Facebook page. <laughs> I got four people that were like, Axel Glenn Benton, Axel Rose, or, you know, I'm going to burn my deal. I can't believe you. And But there was only four people that sent me something. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think anybody even gives a shit, man. I don't give a shit, and I don't think anybody else does either. Do you find that interesting? It's funny, because we br- talked about this with Mark last night. Um, how the communication... This is off-topic, right? So we're, we're, right. we're good with Broken Hope? We yeah, good? Yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's bury that yeah, pile right. of cat shit. Throw but some kitty litter on it. It's interesting <laughs> how, like, back in 1990, 91, 92, there's no communication between fan and band until you roll into town. Right. Now that communication is possible constantly. Does yeah. that... Do you, have you, Do you take that into account? Do you do anything I, with I, that? Or do you avoid I'm, it? Man... I'm just going to be completely... This is how I am, man. I'm just brutally honest. Fuck Facebook, man. <laughs> Fuck that social media bullshit, man. Yeah. You know? I come back... I come from a day and age where, you know what? The Who came to town and you you camped out for tickets, man. And if you got to meet one of them fucking guys, you, you, you know, you were, you know, you were the guy in your neighborhood, man. You know, you're like, wow, that guy met Pete Townsend? Holy shit, you know? Yeah. That's... The, where I come from, man. This whole social media shit, though, I'm telling you right now, I could flush it all down the toilet. I can't stand it. That's why the Facebook page, I'll post something up there and, and a little while later, I take it right down because I don't care what you think. You know, to hear your opinion or, you know, Neil Young's booger sugar weighing in on all this shit. I don't give a shit about that, man. Yeah. You know, I do what I do because that's what I do. I don't do it for anybody's social acceptance or any of that crap. If you like it, great, man. You know, if you don't, I could care less. You know, I'm not here for you. I'm here for me. You know, so I, I'm glad you enjoy what I do, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fans. If you see me, that man, I'm out there every night. You know, shaking hands, taking photos with everybody. I give everybody because I'm like, you know, it's like it's like Tigger at Walt Disney World without the, you know, the ball grope. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's I'm out there every night. You know, shaking hands, meeting everybody, taking pictures, and doing that thing, man. Because that's part of the gig, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not hiding back or in my dressing room or hiding out on a bus. You know, coming out for a short few minutes to be arrogant to people and you know that's not me man i'm here as you know just like a part of the event you know what i mean yeah we saw you on the way in you go right up to fans yeah don't care, man. taking it's, pictures and the that, they pay for that that's part of you know that's that's you know that's what separates the rock star from the fucking average joe i don't know if you saw but one of them peed his pants but that's probably <laughs> that's cool but you know you actually actually get out there and talking to people and getting their opinion because they come to your show and they love your band and and it's just like when i go on stage man you know? it's not you know i don't go up there trying to portray myself as some kind of uh deity man i go up there i tell jokes and i make fun of people and it's i heckle the crowd just like they heckle me and i i it's it's a personal thing it's not meant to be taken serious man you know what i mean it's it's all about having fun you know and if you can't laugh at yourself come on man i've been doing this for so long <laughs> believe me if there's one I mean, I've had my nuts stepped on so much, man. I mean, jeez. He only kicked me so many times, but I keep coming back. I don't give a shit. I don't let that shit bother me. I don't read reviews. I don't do it. You know, I, I just don't care, man, you know? So 
I do it because I enjoy doing it, man. It's fun. I, I, you know, I look forward to come out and doing tours and, you know, seeing the fans and all that stuff. But you know what? I don't live for people blowing smoke up my ass. I don't, I don't, that does not, that's not what feeds me, man. That's not what fuels me and uh, keeps me doing this. It's the, you know, there's something about that, you know, bringing the brutality to people, man. That's what, you know, feeds me. You know what I mean? That's just who I am. Damon in college? No. He's working two jobs. Yeah. Yeah, he's. Uh, See, that's all I'm checking is the age because it's like he's 22 now. And he went to uh, surgical tech school and that, and uh, to be a surgical technician. And that, See, so. I remember reading about him getting born in like CMJ, you know, and it's like <laughs> freaky to like. Uh, my 12 year old just started picking up the guitar now, so he's. Uh, I have custody of my youngest son and that, and uh, he, uh, Ivan has just hooked him up with a Strat, and he's uh, taking classes now at school and that. So, so should the guys be nervous? They got like. What six years of job security? Uh, no, no, no. Four, man. four years, man. Four uh, years tops. Four years yeah. tops. There, yeah. This, uh, this, this is this is not Willie Nelson's band. You know, I'm going to keep <laughs> the family out of it. You know. How do they rebel? How do they rebel? Glenn? Yeah. Do they listen do to Barry Manilow or what? Yeah, is that possible? No, 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 no. Um, my younger son really don't rebel, man, because he's like cast out of the same mold as me and that you know he's oh no there's two he's a comedian <laughs> he's got that comedian thing going on where he's yeah. like you know he's he's pretty funny man and my older son he rebels by trying to do i don't know man just like any kid you know what what kids got along with their father growing up you know what i mean yeah. and it's just that's our relationship you know what i mean but at the end of the day we both know we love each other and you know that's what matters he knows i'm there for him if he if he gets in a pickle he must have had the easiest time in high school who my son yeah i, I you know what man i don't think anybody ever has an easy time in high no school, he man. had dude, to i was just thinking the same thing i'm like man i don't care what anybody says dude I, I hate high, high school, school sucks, man. man coming home in handcuffs and shit all the time it sucked absolutely but nothing goes wrong and when it does you go eh dad and done you know you he can get what he wants no chicks um, good grades I, I will say this, and people will say, "Man, you know, Damon definitely has scored some fine pieces of ass in his time." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I will give him, you know, a high five for that one, man. <laughs> he owes you. Yeah, so, yeah, he don't bring him around me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Uh, they both live near. Uh, uh, well, you said you got well, the, yeah. your youngest is with Damon you. Damon lives. Uh, I'm down in. Uh, about i don't know about 30 or 40 minutes from me so uh -huh. he's you know he's at that age man he floats from couch to couch to couch you know yeah. and does that thing and that I'll, um you know he's working for nielsen rating service now and that for the oh interesting yeah, yeah we can't talk about that you know, that's a, <laughs> sorry, that's a, yeah. yeah so he's doing that kind of thing and you know i I I don't know if the surgical technician thing was for him or not, you know, but he definitely went got he got certified for doing that and that and you know how it is, man, when you're a kid, you kinda of really you know, for from eighteen to about twenty five you're just you're you're just having a good time. Yeah. You know, and he's in that stage, you know. It's not until you you tell all your friends all start disappearing to reality that you start coming into reality, you know. Or Absolutely. you meet that chick. Yeah. yeah. That, that one that just that one. Yep, yeah. That shoves that popsicle stick up your ass and turns you into a puppet. Yeah. And my life in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> done. Yeah. But you got through that, right? Uh, yeah, it was rough, man. It was, it was, I, I, you know, I was just as confused as every other kid, you know, going through that stage. You know, you just, you're, you're constantly pondering your existence and, you know, 
every little variable is you know feels like the end of the world you know so you got one hell of an outlet though i mean you know, put it on turn yeah it all when you the- think back to some of that stuff you know you're right and you're like man I was pretty fucked up back then. <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking, you know? So. All right, so so worst thing I ever did, right? I got a stack of DSI stickers from Roadrunner back right. in the day. Go to a party, and behind the, the backyard was a church. And they had these wooden crosses out on the front lawn of the church. So we all go out there, flip the crosses upside down, and just slap DSI stickers all over the outside of the church. But... That's as close as I get. That's as bad as I get. You're you're going to hell. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I uh, when I go to rehearsal, uh, our rehearsal space down where we, we rehearse, there's a church up the street from there, and on the front of that church is this about this 15 foot crucifix, fiberglass crucifix, and every time I pass by it, there's one thing that pops in my head, and that is that that cross used to hang upside down on the side of my house. Is that right? Yeah. And I used to torture the neighbors next door to me with it because they'd always complain about the noise. So every day when they woke up, the first thing they seen was this gigantic upside-down cross hanging off the side of my house. (laughs) And then one day I finally, I was moving or something. It was out front, you know, and uh, this pastor came by the house, and he's like, I noticed you got that cross out there, and then, and then. And the I, bravest and, pastor and I, ever. And I, and I say, right. and I, so I donated it to their church. So whenever I pass by their church, it sits out there. In the Wait a second, just it was. It was. Let's just say this. It was. It was removed from another church and given to me. <laughs> okay. And you know, to keep my karma straight, yeah. I gave it back to a church. So has your has your like sense of religion and all that stuff has it evolved over these years is it different than it used well, you to know be what, you, you, with all of life experience man i mean you go through tragedies and miseries and shit like that and woe and stuff and that and i can say honestly man that it's you know like losing my mother a few years ago and that you, you would think something like that would you know would change an individual to you know make maybe turn them you know religious and shit and and unlike some you know metal musicians it's doing the opposite to me you know what i mean i'm not buying into the whole reborn christian bullshit thing and and uh you know watching my mother die and losing best friends and losing friends over the years and that is only you know you know it's it's given me you know more of a reason to not believe in that shit because when you watch somebody go through some things like that you know what i mean it's like how in the hell could you possibly believe in something that would allow something as such you know and it's made me really cold and in in you know cold-hearted inside when it comes to the whole religious thing and that and i am just you know i i am i'm i'm probably more so against it now than i was when i was younger you know my mother was a Sunday school teacher, you know, when we were kids and that. And she used to, you know, make us all get up in the morning and go to church and shit. And I would do things to, f- you know, get myself thrown out so I didn't have to go. So finally she stopped asking me to go and I got to <laughs> hang out with dad on Sundays and watch football games and shit. <laughs> I know, like, when when my son was born, you know, same sort of thing. You expect, right. like, right. oh, my God, this is a miracle. But, it, like, the first thing that that had the idea that I don't want you to grow up with that same those beautiful lies that i was raised with right you know to me it was you know when i was a kid man and i remember like it was yesterday i and it's like i try to explain this to people it's like man i can remember being in my crib 
smearing my own fecal matter on the walls you know what i mean i remember that far back man and that's like when i really think you know hard about it i can think of like being in a void a black void man and coming out of a black void and then you know i i can almost think back to my creation that's how far i got it my memory goes back and i when i tell people that i have memories you know of being you know you know a baby and shit they, people can't believe that you know and uh Salvador Dali used to say that, you know, that uh, he remembered being in the womb because he would, the fists would be in the eyes and it made it look like eggs. And that's why that melting eggs thing. I don't know, man, but I could think way back to that. And, but you know, it was life, you know, for me, it's changed, you know, life changer for me. And it may, maybe it has something to do with the way I turned out. Was when my mother explained to me when we were, I was like four or five, you know, and, uh, you know, you, know, you got to say your prayers, you know, and you lean over to the side of your bed and you do your, you know, your, 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 your chant there. And uh, she explained to me that's, you know, that we all die. And it was like, it really profoundly affected me to find out that the good time I was having was going to come to an end someday. And that really affected me as a child. And, and I just, at that point, I'm like, well, how in the hell could this God guy, you know, be so mighty and powerful and shit, but couldn't keep us, you know, in the, you know, keep us in the game forever, you know? And I, to find out that, the, you know, that I was created just to come to an end someday, it just really, you know, to this day still sticks with me. And, and I have a, you know, when, you know, I have a hard time with death, man. You know what I mean? It's like, not that I fear it or anything. I just, I resent it. And, uh, and that that's probably explains a lot of your lifestyle. Pretty much, man. I just, I, I, I just, I, I, when people come to my house, like these religious groups and shit, you know, and they come to my house and that, it's like, how dare you? How dare you, man, come to me with that shit? So I have a good time with it, man. I'll put my devil mask on and be waiting out in the garage and jump out of the bushes on him and shit. <laughs> I have a blast with it, you know. I really, I do. I, I love it, you know. And, it, and, and I'm sorry, Chuck. Oh. I'm I'm totally dominating the whole thing. I just got a billion questions, right? But but I mean, there's sort of that 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 moral thing. It's like, are you going to get your morals from this book, or are you going to get it from just a sense of empathy about other people, right? I think it's all about you know, it, yeah. You know what? It's like it's it's in life. You can either do the right thing by yourself and for others or you can do the wrong things and i believe you know i i believe in the positive negative effect you think positive you do positive positive comes you do negative and you know concentrate and focus on negative things and doing negative things and negative comes you know and that's how i live my life i you know morally i try to do the right thing you know in, in every aspect you know my kid and that i don't jam anything down their throats as far as religion man listen you know like my kids were like dad i want to go to church go to church you know and they come back they're like dad you were right that was the most boringest goddamn day of my life you know what i mean so i i let them experience these things for themselves i don't try to put a negative you know spin on anything like that it was like my kid loved anchovies until my old lady said anchovies and he was like i don't want anchovies anymore and you know what i mean that's how it is you know what i mean if you don't throw any influence in there let them figure it out for themselves you know and that's how i like my kids to be you know free thinkers and you know find out these things for themselves you know we're all going to experience it man you know what i mean we're all going to experience this this journey called life some are going to experience it in a negative way and some of it are, us are going to you know wreak the, the benefits of a positive lifestyle you know so were you always coming from sort of that anton LaVey sort of uh strain of 
uh, uh, Satanism where it was just about the individual, its individuality and that sort of thing? Or was it, I mean, are you an atheist or was it, is it something else beyond that? Are you a Buddhist? It almost sounds like a lot of Buddhism. Come on out of here. Well, man, you know what? I believe there's good and evil in this world, okay? And I believe that there is good and evil, you know? And if there is this, you know, creepy father figure waiting up up there on the other side for us and that I really have no respect for him because of all the things I've seen in this world and and if the devil is the opposite of that I would rather be there so do I want to call it atheism or, or you know I, there's something out there man okay and when I see like these people like John Edwards and that who talk to the dead and shit like that you know what I mean it's like Man, these people, you know, it's just, just I believe there's, there's, there is a, a, a fine line between here and there. You know what I mean? And once your conscience energy, you know, leaves your body and that, then you'll be into that. It's like a dream state. You know what I mean? It's like when my mother died, the clock at my house stopped at the time of her death. Wow. We have a you know, grandfather clock. And it, it stopped exactly on the time my mother expired. Wow. And... Weird things like the day my mom died, I had I was like on my CD player and uh, in my car or you know like my MP3 player and I was like like I, I zipped I, I I spelt my mother's name out on the A R Y A N N B E N T O N and you know what song came up Ashes to Ashes by David Bowie wow <laughs> because I was I mean I was. Not to get you know you know emotional about, it, but I was really upset about losing my mother. She's my best friend, and the lyrics of that song, because I just wanted to know she was okay. And if you read the lyrics of that song, it basically says that you know I'm okay. Yeah. Wow. So you guys were able to have a great relationship despite her religion oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and what so, you yeah, went yeah, out to mom, do. My mom, she was my biggest fan. That's awesome. You know. Your dad? Did you have a relationship with your dad? Yeah, yeah I still do, man. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. We go shoot guns together, and uh, he's he's a character, you know. I mean, we had our issues when we were younger, and that. But well, like I said, man, what, what kid doesn't have their issues with their father? You know? Yeah. Yeah, you grow past all that when you get, when you become a father and get you know, you get a taste of that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get it back in spades. <laughs> yeah. Your kids have a relationship with your mom. Did my kids? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, my son used to work with my mother at McDonald's. My mother worked for McDonald's for like 35, 40 years. Wow. And uh, she gave my son, you know, she put him to work when he was 14 there. So, and uh, yeah, man, my kids love my mother. You know? Yeah, I did the McDonald's thing. I, they made me tie my long hair. Oh, up I did my too, hat. man. We all did it when we were yeah, kids. Yeah, but you, know? I mean, you wanted to drive the family car, you had to have a job. Yep. You know what I mean? And You need I'm to smile a- more, but every time I'd smile, the hat <laughs> would pop off, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I uh, was actually a crew trainer when I was there. I used to go around to the new McDonald's and train the crew on the equipment and stuff. Oh, you were up the, the, the I came the chain, up the chain pretty up quick. The chain. Well, you got mom in higher upper management. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? you, I had a shoe in there, you know? So, But I got fired for telling the manager to go fuck himself and that so i mean i you know that'll do it i always you know i very opinionated and i always stick up for myself no matter if i was right or wrong you when know? you gonna write a book i don't know man i got a ghostwriter guys that are chasing me around to do one and that i mean you got i mean just sitting it's here you got so time. much yeah, yeah you got so much to say it's like i don't want to stop you know <laughs> it's like freaking book well like i say man it's a matter of getting somebody to sit down and write it all out you know 
Do, would you do it like autobiograph, uh, auto, yeah, autobiography, or do you could, want people man. to share your ideas, or I, what? I don't know if I would go into the whole, you know, uh, self-help, you know, kind of guru shit and that, but uh, maybe a story, maybe if, you know, like, you know, you know, uh, you know, like a biography of myself and that, you know, I mean, I think it would be good reading in that, because there's a lot more to me than just, you know, what's on the outside, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I've got stories that would make you laugh, make you cry, throw up, and, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you're saying, you know, people on the outside get that image of who you are, and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, dude. What yeah, it's like it totally, oh, God, it totally you know, blows and, people's conceptions yeah. when it's like, like you know, um, they find out that I'm just an average nice guy, and, you know. Yeah. I'm not a, you know, I don't spit blood and, and you know, bark at the moon. I keep, we keep on asking musicians about this. Uh, it feels like metal is it it feels like it's like 1989 again you know right. like something's happening something's trying to click do you get that sense at all do every time i that? listen to the new record man me and kevin have been listening to it every day man we you know it's like it's like when we listen to the new record we're like wow man this is like we've we've definitely struck the right chord oh 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 what, what's glenn's ringtone <laughs> That's cool. That's exactly what I would hope for. <laughs> Either that or like My Little Pony or something. Yeah. It's got to be like one or the other, you know? <laughs> uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, do you get that sense that that is happening and it, it's all... It's coming back, man. You know, yeah. like, we used to say this back then, you know, because I've, I've watched every form of music come and go and, and, and I'm still doing it, man. And it's like I say to myself, man, this is... When I thought back way back then, I was like, "Man, I'd be doing this when I'm my age." I'd, it's astounding, man. But it, back then, it was like every ten years, every ten years, there's a resurgence, and it's we're, we're like right back on that resurgence again, you know. Well, we were talking to Bill Steer recently. He was talking about how they see they had just put out um, Swan Song, or they were about they were. I'm trying to remember what it was in Swan, either right before or right after. And he said that they did this. Yeah, yeah, they did this U.S. tour, and he said it was like, it was almost like sucked the the air out of the the room. Yeah, air left the room, and and they gave up. You didn't give up. You kept on going. Did you feel that at all? Did you care? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been times where you show up. There's 35 kids there and that, but you know what? Those 35 kids deserve it just as much as 3,500 kids. You know, so I just don't give up, man. I'm not a quitter. Awesome. I keep punching and slugging and kicking and scratching and biting, and I just don't stop, man, because to me, like I say, man, this isn't something I did as just a novelty or, you know, just to go out and make myself look, you know, you know, a certain way. And I, I do this because it's who I am and it's how I pay my bills and how I feed my kid, man. Yeah. You know? and, and did that have anything to do, you think, with why the Hoffmans, like, just did it end was it girlfriends was it no it was publishing man it was you know money and that that and it was just you know one of those things where they just couldn't uh our deal with roadrunner changed you know we left roadrunner we went to earache um you know when we were kids we signed our deals and we signed them all you know not knowing the business and we signed our publishing deal you know all four of us instead of it being an industry standard deal where you get paid for what you're right we just split it all the way down you know so and then after the first couple records it was me and steve writing all the material okay so they were getting paid publishing on all of our hard work and we didn't mind it 
as long as you played, you know, you know, you played the game and were, you know, you know, cordial and nice and, and got along with everybody and that. But they fought it, man, from calling the label and c creating problems and animosity with the label um, over ridiculous, you know, uh, things to, you know, just being horribly negative and you know and to the fans and to the club owners and it was like i dreaded going on tour i dreaded wow. being around them and um and when the, the publishing deal changed and we were you know it went to an industry standard me and steve told him hey listen the deal's changing okay and well if you do that we're gonna quit well you know what that's where it went so as soon as the first publishing check came in and me and steve were getting the bulk of the money um brian was the first one to quit and then eric was like okay well we'll we know well we'll, you know, well i quit too but <laughs> the last of uh, the last tour we did with them that they uh we had a situation in la where uh mr hoffman there eric hoffman decided he wanted to get you know uh, when I get physical and I didn't back down I got right up in his grill and like let's do this for once and for all I'm had enough I've had enough you know and I was going to take it to there to that you know place and um, a couple days later they called Steve we we're supposed to play Austin actually wow you know we're supposed to play here and uh, they called Steve 20 minutes before we go on stage and said that they were in a horrible car accident that their Brian's legs were crushed and their guitars were smashed and their fan was totaled and uh, so we had to you know you know Bolt the hell out of here, you know, bullshit off the stage and get out of here. And as soon as we got home, we Steve went over to their house and there sat their minivan, untouched, unscathed. They just blew us off. Wow. Kind of show we did with them. Is They're, that the last time you've that talked was with the them? Last to them. I, I, it's the last I ever had anything to do with them. Wow. So. Wow. And that must have been like, I mean, that's half the band. And I know you say you don't quit, but I mean, that has to go through your mind for a moment. Like, dude, who, how? I'll tell you what, man. I think me and Steve, there was a huge collective sigh of relief because now we could be surround ourselves with great musicians, you know, that we didn't have to dummy down our, you know, music for to to play it. And I mean, Ralph Santal was always writing all the leads for Eric, you know. So Eric needed a lead, he'd go to Ralph, and Ralph would write it out and show him how to play it, and then Hoffman would take it to the studio and try to duplicate what Ralph showed him. So Ralph always had a part, you know, in that anyways, you know what I mean? So it was always only natural to bring Ralph into the band. And Jack, I mean, Jack immediately, I mean, upon them leaving, stepped up to the plate, learned the set in a weekend. You know what I mean? So we just didn't miss the, we didn't take a day off. That's awesome. It was like, you left that weekend, we had more people, you know, right in it and just kept, you know, just break them into the set, boop, 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 and we didn't miss a beat. And that's, you know, and... The greatest thing, I mean, you know, now is that we have a permanent lineup that's never going to change, that this is the permanent, this is the thing. Kevin is one of the greatest guys. I mean, he's got more heart for this than all the, the metal bands in the world put together. That guy is just 100%. You know, I mean, he's, you don't find him like him. I'm telling you, you will not find any individual on a personal level, professional level, like Kevin. And with Jack and Kev and me and Steve, we're like, like, the way it should have always been, you know? No bullshit, never a negative word, not a harsh word, never. We have not had one argument or disagreement ever since the lineup changed. Wow, that's amazing. And that's how many years now? 2004 to now, yeah, 10 years. It was a decade. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Almost 10 years. So, I mean, we're just, man, we just get along together. We have a great time, man. We, you know, we travel the world now. We do our thing, and everybody gets along, and, 
and it's it's great, man. It's what it should have always been, you know. I mean, them twelve years, man, were one of the, some of the most horrible, you know, times of my life, man. I just, yeah. I traveled by myself because I couldn't stand to be around them. Yeah, well, I saw Journey did that, but no, I'm not going to Journey. Oh yeah, but you know, I mean, there there were some you know good times here and there and that, but but for the most part, man, all the negativeness, you know, it it, it just killed it. You know, any good time you had was short lived. You know. Yeah. And the new album, you guys writing together? Where we is all it wrote it together. We all put it together. We all came to rehearsals. And we wrote it together, physically put it together, you know, and we all got to write on it. I got to write. You know, Kevin did a lot of writing. Steve, Jack, we all wrote it. We all produced it. We all came together. We all, you know, and, and in the studio, I mean, we really worked hard on this, too, you know, and uh, with with Jason's Sukoff's help, you know, I mean, I think what we came, you know, came out with was, you know, astounding. It sounds like Sukov. Now that you say that, I did not know he was producing the uh, yeah. producing this new one because all, all I've heard is the is the title track to the to, yeah. to the album, and it's it's a groove. I mean, well, I get, you, listen, it's, to me, that's one of the mediocre songs on the album. Yeah. So when you when I, I, I there's not one song on the album that I I mean they're all right up there yeah. with the, on that level. They're all, every single song on the album is at that level. And uh, tomorrow we're gonna release another one. So tomorrow, Dial Be Gone will be released in a lyric video, and then uh, we get home, and on Monday we film the video for uh, End the Wrath of God. So it's, I mean, it's it's up there, man. I can't wait. I can't wait for everybody to hear it because I think it's going to be it's one of them light one of them life changing, you know, albums. This is good to hear because I mean, we're just talking like we were saying the resurgence of this crowd wise, but every metal dude that's been doing this for. 25 30 years of saying pretty much the same kind of thing this is some of the best stuff we've done this is you know i mean like you could feel the energy you know oh, what i mean i love that ringtone <laughs> <laughs> but you can really oh yeah that, that that's pretty lame that's that's not as good it's like to... our, our our automated lives are starting to try to make break hey, by the way you need there. to shut up people oh, damn it. it's like we're all controlled by these little but devices you sound, now you sound so excited about the yeah, music exactly that's uh, what you know what you, because it, it's for the first time man it's like like the the song that's been out there it's got over 100 like 112,000 hits man that's to me, confirming what I thought when we were doing it, it was like, wow, this is this is special, man. This is something special. And it's been a long time since I felt that, you know. It must be exciting, too, to see people in the audience, your son's age. Right. Who are the same age as right. I was when I saw you the first time. You know what right. I mean? Right. And it's like, and, and, and those of us who have been following you forever, we're still coming. You know, right. and I, you know what? And it's I look out in the crowd now, and it's like, it's up, it's you're you're seeing everything out there now. You know what I mean? It's like you see every, you know, facet of you know human life in the crowd. And it's just, it's 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 breathtaking at times, man. I mean, it's just like I just sometimes I'm like, wow. I get up there, and it's like I look out and I see everybody, and it's like it's a very warm and fuzzy feeling. You know, well, that's awesome, man. All right. What, wait, wait. One last question. Can I ask one last question? <laughs> like, go ahead. I know. What's the? He'll keep you all night. If what, you yeah, I know. Uh, you gotta I know. get on stage in a minute. Yeah. But is, what? What's the thing that like people would be the most surprised to learn about you? Do you think? I'm an amazing cook. 
You know, that's my one of my specialties at home, man. It's like, you know, my uh, fiance and my son, I talked to him a little while ago. They're like, hurry up and get home. We're starving. You know? <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, I learned from my grandmother, which was from, you know, Sicilian. She's from Sicily off the boat and that. And, you know, all my relatives and that, you know, when I was a kid, man, I we all met in the kitchen. You know, that was the meeting place in our families, you know, and and I learned a lot, you know, and and uh, from all my travels and that, I've become, I mean, I'm just, I'm right up there, man, with, you know, my kid is always, all the time, is like, Dad, you got to go on MasterChef. You got to go on MasterChef, Dad. You got to go on, Ma-. you know, they're all, like, they're both pushing me to go through these cooking shows. And you that. totally should. That would be awesome. Shit the, people would shit the bed, man. If Dude, they, <laughs> it'd be like the Barber of Seville, though, you know? I mean, it'd be like, like you get a trap door. Like, Who knows what's going in that stove? Yeah, that. man. <laughs> I think Glenn Benton needs to create his own cooking show. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, man, that would be uh it would definitely be uh well uh, <laughs> entertaining do you get opportunities and, I mean, like that I, listen man i'm like one of the type of people man it's like I, I i i like my old man used to say uh i'm a jack of all trades master of none yeah you know um i, I i'm a, a an avid f- hunting fishing you know i do all that stuff you know i mean you know turn my you know turn wrenches i you know i'm a mechanic i i I'll jump into anything, man. You do, know? do you get opportunities like that? I mean, it's like it seems like people who are our age have gone from being young interns at TV studios and all that sort of thing, and now they're turning into executives. Right. And they want to bring in the stuff that they're fans of. Do you get those calls? Do they come in? Not really, man. Not, uh, no, I think I'm just a little bit on the outside of the spectrum, you know. Somebody's got to listen. I, I think you I scared might, them a little bit. I, I might. Know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a little, you know. Until I open my mouth and talk, it's kind of you're like, oh, you know, I'm a little. Stu- I make people a little standoffish. Oh, yeah. You cook them a good lasagna, you bring them all back in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like- <laughs> oh, yeah. I make my vegetable lasagna. You're mine. Well, we're glad that you talked I'll with own us, your man. Soul. We're really glad that you talked with us because it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, you, you, the whole situation gets cleared up. You come off. It all sounds. You know, Listen, totally. Listen, man, I, I don't. I and we learn like a hell say, of a lot I, about I just you. want you know what I just, you know, in my older years now, man, I just just don't have the time for animosities and you know hurt feelings and stuff like that. And like I say, I I guess I I try to you know you know to a a respectable resolve. And I I I guess I made the effort, you know. Yeah. And um, and I, I appreciate you guys giving me a chance to clarify things. And I, I'm I'm am I'm, I'm tired, man, of defending myself. You know, and so I just you know what I could care less anymore about defending myself. But will I tell the you know tell the tale and tell the truth? I, I always have. You know, it's not something I'm not here to create some kind of illusion. I'm here to bring you reality, and that's what. I'm doing. Don't 
song is In the Minds of Evil, the name of the new record from Deicide. I think that's pretty good, even though he says that's not one of the good ones off that album. I like that riff, dude. It's heavy. It's some interesting stuff. I can't wait to see what happens now that we've uh, put this stuff with Glenn Benton out there. I was uh, very happy that he sat down to talk with us, and he was a totally nice guy. Absolutely. And, you know, when once the microphones were being packed away and the recording had stopped, he felt, he seemed genuine. It wasn't like, okay, yeah, now yeah, I'm yeah. going to like tell you a little something that I didn't. I mean, yeah, he told us some stuff that he doesn't want out there, and we're not going to say yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is, but it was nothing that, to me felt wrong and you know i guess if i was a real reporter we probably would have talked to the other bands to see if you know the story about uh the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, the money and all, and all that, that stuff it was true but we're not real reporters so what the hell? you're right <laughs> exactly well and we had talked about we had talked about that about having the other bands in but i i think basically what the gist of it is that he didn't really want to pile on like yeah. everybody to just pile on those dudes and You've got both sides of the story now, so you got to take it for your and, own. You know, we talked about this a couple months ago where it's like, you know, the bands have got to get out in front of the right? story. I know. Here is an, a consummate professional, a guy who stuck it through even the dark years of metal. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's, you know, he, he ended up like deciding, okay, okay, regrettably, I'll do the interview. And then when he did it, it you could I don't know if you sensed it, but it felt like he'd gotten it off his chest, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he just felt relieved, and you know now it's like both sides of the story are out there, and he just he did it the right way. He came on the right podcast to do it. We gave him space, and for us as fans, it turned into an even bigger opportunity because here was a guy who was not really wanting to do an interview before all this went down because hey, he doesn't have an album to promote yet. Comes out end in of November, November yeah. all that sort of thing, but. You know what? Once he did it, it's like now we got to know about Glenn. And me personally, guess what I'm listening to all weekend long, you know? I'm you, listening to I'm listening, You're listening to you <laughs> talking yeah, to I, Glenn true. Benton is what Pro- you're probably. doing. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to me. <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> That's what's happening right there. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you, when you get to know some of these people and you hear about them Mm. i mean it's like well and that's the thing is that he had a reputation that led that that was born in the 90s and he probably was a lot of that persona at some point because of that but you know as we're talking you get older and you just kind of grow out of that shit so yeah you know it's just kind of funny that that i've heard so many different sides of the story from people that aren't in it so it's kind of interesting to hear it directly from him glenn spent the the entire time looking into my eyes looking into your eyes Mm -hmm. and you know as a poker player i'm looking for tells that are bluff tells because i've read books on that stuff he was telling the truth man that's what i got the feeling he it got i got the feeling his story made sense people are are able to sense that and hear it hopefully yeah so i just want to say that like we'll talk a little bit we got another episode a regular episode of the podcast coming up on monday so we got protest the hero on the the polar opposite of what we just uh (laughs) we just talked to uh coming up on monday on the podcast we've been so excited about that interview because that was a great that's why i want to do a special episode to to put this in because it was important to get in on timely but we want protest the hero is going to be on uh roadie roadie walker is going to be on on monday uh and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled podcast (laughs) unless something else blows up in the meantime and make sure you don't miss any of this you know the best way to make sure you don't miss it two ways subscribe on itunes subscribe on itunes visit metalsucks.net every day uh but yeah subscribe on itunes give us five stars because we deserve it and And tell us we suck and if you want, but use lots of keywords. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's SEO uh, correct. Yeah. All right. We're good. <laughs> I am Chickity Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this has been a special episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast.